couple weeks ago, I began this new series of sermons, Living the Five, as we began to explore some of the foundational aspects of Christian life. And at the same time, we launched out our new community group ministry, um, opportunities for people to gather together with Christians in order to talk about themes that come from the sermons, but more importantly, about what it means to live a Christian life in today's world. I wanted to give you just a word that the community groups have gone very well so far. Uh, we, we were able to launch 10 groups a couple of weeks ago, um, and great reports coming back from those experiences. Um, one of the great misunderstandings about these groups is that some folks think these are just for us launching the Northwest campus. Um, but that's not exactly correct. While we do have some that are going to help launch the Northwest campus, we have community groups that are here for, for you, for folks at Desert Springs Summerlin. Uh, four of our groups are gatherings of folks who are a part of this congregation and who will remain a part of this congregation. And it's my hope that as we launch out our next series uh, for the community groups, uh, our, my Lenten sermon series, um, that the number of groups here at Summerlin will at least double, maybe even get up to, to 10 groups. So there's more options and opportunities for folks to join in. Back to the sermon. Uh, Two weeks ago, I, I preached on that first foundational principle, we cannot do life alone. It's important for us to spend time with other Christians, people who help us to be better people, to be more faithful Christians, and to better give witness to the presence and power of God at work in our lives. Last week, we, we talked about how growing people change and how as we live out our faith, God meets us in our effort and makes these wonderful changes in our life. During that sermon, I announced that I have some workshops that are coming up. Uh, a introduction to prayer workshop, that's going to take place, uh, I think, the second Sunday in February. And then a couple weeks later, we'll have an introduction to the Bible workshop. And then a few weeks after that, an introduction to faith sharing workshop. All of these will be on Sunday afternoons. So I wanted to give you that quick word before we got going into today's sermon which is about how saved people serve people. With that, let's have a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Saved people serve people. It's a foundational principle of the Christian life. The Christian life is all about servant ministry. Jesus talks about this over and over and over again throughout his ministry. And we see him make statements about it throughout the pages of the Gospels. He says things like, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And if you want to be a follower of mine, you must pick up your cross and then come and follow. He says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he said, no greater love is there than this, than a person lay down his or her life for a friend, for another. And as a part of the story from today's Luke passage of Scripture, he says, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. 
Now, that particular passage comes from Jesus' last supper, his last Passover celebration with his disciples. And it was his last meal, for within hours of that meal, he was arrested and soon he was hanging on a cross. And it was during that last supper that Jesus gave his final instructions to his disciples. And if it's your last time to talk to somebody, chances are you're going to want to say something important. And so he focused in on some of those things that were most important that he wanted to make certain that they got, that they remembered. Like, if you want to be great, you must be a servant. Now, I hear some weariness in those words. And why it is I hear weariness takes us back to the very beginning of the Passover story. And for this, we turn to the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter, where we hear that Jesus starts that Passover celebration by washing his disciples' feet. It was the practice in those days that when you would arrive at somebody's home for a meal, your feet would be washed. There'd be a basin of water, there'd be a towel. If the host had means, there'd be a servant there to wash your feet for you. And if the host didn't have such means, there would at least be the water in a towel so you could wash your own feet. But when the disciples gathered in that upper room for their last supper, somehow they just decided to pass by that custom and to have a seat at the table. Why? Why didn't they stop and wash their feet? Well, the scriptures don't tell us. We can only guess, although I don't think it's that hard to guess why. Not with all of that servant talk that was going on, all the ways Jesus talked about serving other people. I can imagine that each and every one of the disciples was concerned that if, that if he stopped to wash his own feet, he'd be stuck there washing everybody else's feet. And so rather than take the chance, each one of them just passed on by and went and sat down at the table. And so Jesus begins the celebration by going over and getting the water and the towel and washing each of their feet. And then, after he'd finished that, he said to them, this thing that I have done for you, you are to do for others. This thing that I have done for you, you are to do. Servant ministry. And as we pay attention to what happens in this story, we can see that servant ministry isn't just something that happens out there, but it's also something that happens with the people that we're closest to, those people that we spend the most time with, those people that we maybe even love the most. It's something that happens around the dinner table. And how it is that we serve one another, even in our homes, gives witness to what's most important to us in our lives. There's a great old Jewish folk tale about a young boy named Conrad. Conrad's grandmother came to live with his family. Her health had failed. 
and she needed a lot of help. The worst thing for her was the tremors and how her hands shook. It made it difficult for her to do things. And that especially showed up when it came to trying to feed herself. The family would gather around the table to share a meal, and she would try to feed herself, but half of the food would end up on the table or on herself or on the floor. And it would make quite a mess. This bothered Conrad's parents a lot. And so they got a big wood bowl, and they set that in front of her, hoping that that would catch a lot of the things that would otherwise have been spilt. But still, in trying to feed herself, she made a big mess. It disturbed Conrad's parents so much that they made a decision that she couldn't eat at the table with them anymore. And so they set up a table in the corner of the room where they would place this big wood bowl, and they put towels out around and she would eat there while the rest of the family enjoy, enjoyed their meal around the table. It broke her heart. It was just so sad for her. Well, one day, Conrad's parents came home, and they found him carving on a big chunk of wood. And so they asked him what he was doing. And he said to his parents, one day you're going to be old, and you're going to need help and you'll be living with me. So I'm carving out a wood bowl, so I'll be ready when you come. Well, that night, grandmother was back at the table, and not another word was spoken about the mess. But how it is that we treat one another gives witness to what's most important to us in our lives, doesn't it? And... Our witness takes place even in our homes. I know other people can't see what's going on in there, but God can. God can. And when it comes to living a life of servanthood, it begins in our homes. Now, if there's anybody here who thinks they hear me saying that there's somebody in your home who needs to do a better job of serving you, You've got it exactly backwards. I'm saying it's time to do a better job of serving others. Right? In our home, Jerry and I seek to outdo each other in love. That's a good way to frame it. Let's seek to outdo each other in love. Now, last Friday, Jerry and I were able to get down to Casa Grande, Arizona. It's about a six-hour drive to spend time with my mother and father. Most of you know that my mother fell and broke both wrists on Christmas Day, so she can't use her hands. And Dad is taking care of her and doing a great job, and they're worshiping with us online. So hi, Mom and Dad. I'm talking about you now, okay? And taking care of my mother means that my father cannot do a lot of the things that he used to do and things that he loved doing. And so while they were, we were there, my mother asked my father a simple question. She asked him why. Why was he sacrificing the things that he loved to do in order to take care of her? He said, is it because of your faith? And my dad thought for a moment, and he simply said, because it's my job. And that kind of hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? As Christians, it's our job. It is what we do. We serve one another. 
and not just in our homes, but beyond our homes too. Here, we serve one another here as sisters and brothers in Christ, and sometimes serving one another requires much of us. There's a man who used to be a part of our church. I'll call him David. That's not his name, um, but that's what we're going to call him. Um, and after his wife died, he didn't do real well. And to make a very long story short, he sold his house. He bought a motor home in order to recapture something he and his wife used to do. And he got in an accident. He totaled the motor home. He lost everything. When we reconnected with him, he was on the streets, hungry and sleep deprived, unable to make good decisions. And he needed help. Well, one member of the church gave some money to help us get him going again. Another member of the church took him down to the bank to get his banking in order so he could start getting his pension again and took him to look at apartments. Showed up to move him into his new apartment. And now he's doing well. He's doing well. And it's because as Christians, we are servant ministers. That's what we do. We care for one another. Sometimes in big ways, sometimes in little ways. Sometimes the littlest act can make the biggest difference in a person's life. Simple little things. I learned this lesson while I was a seminary intern. The church that I served was a two-story church. It had a basement. And in the basement were the offices and the kitchen and the fellowship hall. If you entered through the back of the church, you entered into the basement. And then you climb a set of stairs to get up to the sanctuary. Well, one Sunday, we were getting ready for worship, and I had to run downstairs for something. Once I got it, I had to run back upstairs. But right about the time I got to the stairs, one of the members of the church, an older woman who had mobility challenges, started making her way up the stairs. And it took her a while to get up. She was slow. She had to go slow. It would have been easy for me to say, excuse me, and make my way around her. There was room on the staircase. But something told me that wasn't the right thing to do in that moment, to just slow down. So that's all I did. I just stayed behind her a few steps. And it took a couple of minutes to get up the stairs. You know, I've learned since it'll start without me anyway, you know. So it took a couple of minutes to get up the stairs. Once up on top. the mail from the woman. She told him the story of this great gift that I had given her. And I'm thinking, what gift? All I did was slow down a little. That was it. But the gift that she had received was a sense of dignity and respect. And she said that as the world would rush on by her for that moment in church on Sunday, there was nothing wrong with her. She was accepted for who she was. But a simple little thing. But those kinds of opportunities, they come to us all the time to, to be servant ministers. We greet each other Sunday morning. And with those greetings come all kinds of opportunities to say a, a word, to do a simple thing. And these things are not just important in our homes and here in our church. Because servant ministry isn't something we choose to do. 
It's who we are as Christians. That fundamental to the Christian life, it is who we are. It's how we live. We serve one another. And in serving one another, we don't do it alone. God has equipped us for every good work. In Ephesians chapter 4, we hear how God's provided spiritual gifts for us. We hear about those things too in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans and in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. Paul talks about it a lot. How we've been equipped for servant ministry by receiving spiritual gifts. Every one of us here have received gifts. Some of us have been given gifts of healing. Some of us have been gifts of helping or of serving. Some of us have been given gifts of leadership or administration, some of teaching, some of evangelism, some of discernment, some of mercy. But each of us gifts according to the grace of God, through which God works to bring blessing to other people's lives. If you don't know what your gifts are, or if you want to explore how God might choose to work through those gifts, watch for the next discovery class. It's exactly what the class is about. It's an important part of life at Desert Spring, because we understand we are called to be servant ministers. Saved people serve people. It's a foundational principle of the Christian life, who we are. In the first chapter of the book of Genesis, we hear that God created us in God's own image. Each and every one of us created in God's own image. Regardless of male or female, young or old, no matter what shape or size or color, each and every one of us bear something of the very image of the God who created us. And if we look, really look into each other's lives, into each other's spirits, we will see something of the very image of God. Now, I know it's not always easy to see. Some of us are kind of hard and crusty. We will see. Each of us bears the very image of God, which means that when we serve each other, we are doing nothing less than serving the God who created us. And therein, we discover life, abundant life, the life God created us to live. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen.